plans for my crazy day. My packed commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. No, I'm not for sale. are Locked On Colts, your daily Indianapolis Colts podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On Colts, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Matt Danley, and uh, we have pretty much got the very first day of free agency in the books now. Uh, It's about 9.52 on Thursday night, so I'm recording this uh, when things have died down just a little bit. So if anything happens after this, you know, probably won't be in this show unless it happens during my recording. But the lots, quite a bit's happened, especially in the AFC South. I mean, you know, we'll talk about what the Colts have done. Uh, each of the other teams have done something, not a lot, you know, other than the Jags. They've pretty much gone uh, crazy here with uh, free agency. But I'll go over as well uh, some of the guys that I had pegged that I wanted the Colts to uh, to sign in free agency. And I'll kind of give you what they earned in that and and so on and so forth. So uh, first and foremost, Colts were kind of quiet. I mean, just in general, uh, they're <laughs> kind of the very first thing they do is sign Jeff Locke, former Minnesota punter. Uh, and that's actually not even official yet as, as far as everything that I've seen. Uh, that's, that was a Garofalo uh, report or Garofalo or whatever. Uh, so I, as far as I know, that's good. I just don't think it may be signed, sealed, and delivered quite yet. But they had to replace Pat McAfee after his retirement. So it was necessary, no doubt. But uh, if we're going to go punter, I, I don't know if he's there for competition or what, but Jeff Locke's not an elite punter in the league as far as I know. And where exactly he kind of ranks in against uh, the rest of the league's punters is you know not really – uh, is kind of beyond me. I know that he wasn't in uh, Pro Football Focus's top 10, but other than that, I don't really know. And if, honestly, if you're not in the top 10 or at least the top half of the league, then you know, you're know you kind of uh, pointless uh, right there. So let's, let's hope that the Colts save some money because I've not seen any figures on that whatsoever. Like I said, I understand you know the signing, uh, kind of a weird first day of free agency signing, but you know, got to get somebody in the building that can kick a ball, not off a tee. So uh, we'll have to see what happens with that. It'll be interesting to see kind of where the Colts go with, uh, you know, kickoffs and and so on and so forth. I don't really know anything about Jeff Locke, to be quite honest with you. So uh, that that is about it. And, you know, not, not much excitement with uh, signing a punter on the first day of free agency. Uh, Barkevius Mango, the Colts signed him to a one-year $2.5 million contract. Uh, if you guys remember Mango, he was the sixth overall pick in the 2013 draft by no less than the Cleveland Browns. And uh, he played a few years there. He didn't really do much of anything. You know, he, he's definitely, I mean, look, you're, you're picked inside the top 10. You're, and you don't uh, turn out to be at least a pro bowler one year. You're ultimately, I don't want to say you're a bust with that, but 
you know, he was far from being Pro Bowl caliber uh, in that regard. He's definitely been labeled a bust. Throughout his career, he's got seven sacks, 106 total tackles, and 17 starts. If you look at it that way, it doesn't really look too bad. It's not impressive by any means, but it's not as bad as uh, as I think that, you know, it could be. <laughs> we'll put it that way. I don't really know what the point was. And this is another one, another one. Very strange first day signing. Uh, this is something that typically happens four, five, six, eight days down the road after, you know, you've gotten maybe a guy or two uh, of that top tier that you really wanted to pull in who, you know, was going to either A, cost some money or B, be a, an extremely productive part of the offense, defense or whatever, whoever you're signing. And that's not what the Colts did today. So it's kind of uh, beyond me. Maybe they've got some super secret uh, conversations going on in the background. It, it's kind of, you know, uh, a little bit strange in, in that regard. So the Colts didn't do much, but uh, they did get at least uh, maybe a depth piece. You just don't really know. He spent some time in New England last year and didn't really do much of anything there. I think he was mainly all special teams. But, you know, I don't know whether that's what he'll do in Indianapolis or not. But this is very, you know, Colts didn't spend a lot of money today by any means. They only picked up two guys and both of them strange acquisitions as far as I'm concerned on free agencies day one. So, but let's look at, you know, kind of the Jags. I think we all know what they've done. Uh, they pulled A.J. Bouye from Houston, uh, Calais Campbell from Arizona, Barry Church from Dallas, and Lorente McRae uh, from Buffalo, linebacker. Um, it, they've threw some money. I think Bouye was 60, 60 mil, and I think uh, Calais Campbell's was uh, 67 mil, maybe uh, somewhere around there for both those two. So they definitely dropped some ducats on day one. Uh, Barry Church, another guy that I think is is fairly highly regarded, and uh, you know he was in. There was a couple guys going back and forth with him, but they ended up landing him. So the Jags obviously win another year in free agency, and uh, you know really Bouye that was real surprising to me. But there was a point where he was between the Titans and the Jags uh, by all accounts, and the Titans actually thought that they had him sealed. And they didn't. Then Calais Campbell, you know, at least report wise, was back and forth or had had agreed with the Jags and then was back and forth with Denver and then ended up with the Jags. So it's kind of hard to say, you know, what actually happens with all this. A lot of this is posturing by agents and stuff like that. And if you guys were paying any attention at all to to uh, Twitter or anything like that, like probably most people were who were interested to see if the Colts were doing anything. That was what a lot of all this crap with Alshon Jeffrey, man, who else? I don't know. Don't even care, really, to be honest with you, because a lot of that stuff is just hot air. And, and this is the way it is with everybody. It's not just the, these specific situations. A lot of this is agents trying to pump up their clients, uh, make other teams feel like they're being more highly regarded, and that, and that drives price up. And that's what drives price up more than anything is either – competition for a player in free agency or perceived converse, uh, competition. And I think a lot of today was perceived competition because a lot of times you were seeing guys that were uh, it's between these four teams and they're all hot to get so-and-so. And then when you look back on it and after a guy signed, you see, well, these are the two teams that you know, we're making a push for it. And the, and the other two or three teams that were reported aren't even mentioned. So uh, you, you can't, you know, if you're going hot after somebody, you're in a bidding war. These, a lot of these teams were not in bidding wars. You know, they may have in 
you know, hey, uh, you going to give me this for that? No. Nope. Okay, good. We're good. I mean, that, that a lot of times that's about as far as it goes, unless it's somebody that you are really uh, impressed with and want to bring in. Uh, the Titans, on the other hand, they brought in a former Jacksonville Jaguar, Jonathan Cyprian, uh, safety. They, they were quiet today, too. I mean, like I said, after the perceived bidding war between uh, the Jags and, and Titans on Bouye, uh, you thought that they were going to be a little hot to trot, you know, in uh, in free agency, but they just weren't. I mean, they, they kind of kept quiet as well. Cyprian's kind of a, an additional, you know, a, a quality addition to their secondary. He's a little underrated, I think. But at the same time, he's not what he was perceived to be coming out of school, I don't think, uh, in the same breath. So uh, the Texans probably made, you know, with with actually not acquiring anybody, at least not officially, they made probably the biggest noise uh, on the first day, and that was trading away Osweiler plus a second rounder to Cleveland and end up getting, I think, at least from what I've heard, has been about $10 million extra in salary cap, and that's insane i mean i don't know how they came off that contract i don't know how they got uh the browns to eat some of that or for all intents and purposes i think they ate it all at least for right now and now the browns are just talking about cutting him or you know but this is the same thing these are just the stories that come out once something happens but uh the texans man i tell you what they Smith, they're their GM, and O'Brien, their coach, they are breathing a sigh of relief right now because they can ultimately start from scratch, and all they had to do was give up a second rounder to do it, and they're not going to waste all that money on him. I think it would have been $16 million this year for Osweiler. That's a lot of money saved, and when you think about, look, you can have a second rounder, and we're going to keep $16 million that we would have spent on an awful quarterback for this year and would have had to cut him afterwards that's a big say that's a big money savior this is going to help them resign a bunch of guys i don't think they were in bad situation anyway i think they were around uh 20 million against the cap anyways so they were in pretty good shape to begin with but man that definitely helps you know uh so then i think they've gotten themselves up to around 30 they've got a little bit of money to play with and probably will at least be able to resign a handful of their uh, existing players, hopefully not John Simon. That's who I want for the Colts. And with the Colts not making any sort of a splash at all, uh, this is what I am looking for. We need, I, and Simon's not going to draw a lot of splash from the outside world. But uh, if you've paid attention to, you know, I've spoken about it. There are other people who are interested in Simon as well, and he's a guy that's definitely uh, going to be a uh, a key piece in moving forward. A good good age. He's not, he's not an old guy. He's not, uh, you know, after a second year in the league or anything like that, but he's definitely a guy who's going to improve the defense, uh, both in the run stoppage and in getting to the quarterback. So, um, now let's talk about a couple guys that I, or earlier when we were doing the, uh, the mock free agency and draft and all that stuff, I had wanted the Colts to spend on Tony Jefferson. I had them, the market drive at about, uh, six mil and a little bit above six mil a year. And this will tell you, when he was in a bidding war today between, or well, yesterday if you're listening on Friday, he was in a bidding war with the Browns and the Ravens, and the Browns were probably offering a ton of money because they have it, you know, a hundred and some million uh, left (laughs) before free agency started. That's just insane. 
And, you know, they got in a bidding war with the Ravens, but ultimately Jefferson went with the team that he's going to be, he's going to be matched up with Eric Weddle back there. I mean, that's going to be a dynamic safety group, I think, as long as Weddle can, you know, not play his age, so to speak, like he has last year and the year before. Um, but he ended up signing with uh, Baltimore for nine mil. And that there's no doubt that that got, you know, that probably started around six and a half, seven million, at least on Baltimore's end. Uh, when they were getting word of the Browns probably offering close to 10, 12, man, who knows what they are offering for his services. Uh, the Ravens ultimately probably came up to a number and said, look, I can't, we can't go any higher in this. That's it. And it didn't really matter. He just wanted to drive his own price up because there was no way he was going to go to the Browns, I don't think. I mean, people, you, you see all these draft picks that the Browns have, and you see all these guys that have been drafted by the Browns, some of the better picks, uh, you know, and those guys leave after their first contract. They don't want anything to do with Cleveland whatsoever. And if they kept could have kept some of those guys, the Cleveland at some point probably would have had a, a decent roster to march out on the field and be competitive. But, you know, people don't want to go to Cleveland very often, almost never. But uh, he got the price that he wanted out of that. So I think that our initial thoughts on that were fairly close, uh, within a million, I'd say, and that got drove up because of the uh, the back and forth there. Nick Perry... I had him around eight and a half to nine million, and I think that his market value was actually on spot tracking uh, over the cap. And they had him between uh, somewhere around eight and 10 mil. And I would probably guess that, you know, with the people who were going back and forth with that too, that drove that up. And that's what drives it up. Now, he was actually, he's worth about eight and eight and a half, uh, nine mil, maybe nine and a half, but he's not worth 12 million to the Colts, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, good edge guy, very quality, but Colts don't need to to drop that money. It's not about could they afford it. They could absolutely have afforded it, and that's fine. But you know, in a year or two, he's not going to be worth that twelve million dollars. He's not a sack artist. Okay, that's the one of the things. Yes, he's a really good outside linebacker in both aspects, as far as against the run and in uh, and can get to the quarterback. But he is not a uh, ten sack a year guy. That's not how he. That's not who he plays. And for twelve million, you need a guy who's going to get eight to twelve sacks uh, a year, as far as I'm concerned, for that money. So. Uh, the next guy was Nick Fairley. I was really hoping that the Colts may surprise us all at this because I hadn't heard anything about him. Didn't honestly expect to just because he's not one of the higher uh, touted free agents in this class. At least I didn't think that he was. But New Orleans scooped him back up and kept him uh, for themselves. And they signed him to $7.5 million. I had him at $6.5 million. Uh, I think that was probably pretty close. And I think that all for all intents and purposes, New Orleans wanted to show him that they really wanted him back and they didn't want him to go elsewhere. So they gave him, I think, four years uh, at seven and a half apiece. And that's, you know, they're going to get a good defensive tackle out of that. And he'll be in his 30s by then, by the time that contract runs out. And would have been nice to see him come to the Colts. I would have been excited for him to get seven and a half mil over, over a four-year span. So that would have been nice. Or seven and a half a million a year, I mean, over four years. So uh, the next one was Larry Warford. Was kind of hoping for him. Uh, I figured he could be somewhhere between the six and a half, uh, seven million range, and he ended up signing for eight mil. And Detroit lost him. They ended up signing another guy, and so uh, the Colts missed out on you know one of the top guards that wasn't going to command uh, ten million or anything like that. Plus uh, T.J. Lang's still technically on the market. 
I think that the Seahawks are, are making a, a real hard push for him. It seems like there's a kind of a one horse race there, but you know, you just never know with that. So four of those guys are off the board. We're not getting them. We've still got plenty of guys left, uh, that are, that are available and it's still going to be up in the air. The Colts never did re-sign anybody else today. So, I mean, you, you, for all intents and purposes, they are free agents and, uh, they're, they're able to walk. So, uh, it, it's kind of crazy. Nobody's picked up Bradley McDougal. AJ Klein was signed and uh, by the Saints as well. Mentor's still out on the market. John Simon's still on the market. Brandon Williams got signed. And uh, that was kind of the, the group that we had uh, all set to, you know, kind of put our hopes and dreams on in those uh, simulations, anyways. So there is, on the other hand, chatter about Jabal Sheard. Uh, out of uh, New England, that he's possibly a uh, heavy target for the Colts. It's it's really hard to tell at this point. I mean, there are so many guys out there that are still left. We don't think there are because we keep hearing about other teams signing guys. But there's a lot of players out there left in free agency, a lot of good young players, and uh, there's just nothing to get all worried about or anything like that with this. The Colts were quiet, and this is weird because we're not used to this. I mean, this is the Chris Ballard era, not the Ryan Grigson era anymore. And, you know, the Colts would have probably spent $30 million, $40 million already had it been Brian Grigson and would have, you know, possibly uh, electrified the fan base as far as spending the money on big names and stuff like that. But we're, we're just not, you know, hearing that right now. We got uh, Hankins is still uh, available, Poe still available, although I'm not real sure of who I would prefer in that. I think probably Hankins. I think he's a better all-around player. But there's just a lot of guys out there, you know, that are still available and probably going to hear a lot more tomorrow. I think even if it's only a couple players or even just a, a, another player in general, we'll hear quite a bit tomorrow of what's going on a little bit more. I think some of the uh, conversations and some of the uh, targets will come become a little more clearer. We may start hearing typically, this is what we kind of forget every year in free agency too. We start hearing about uh, the Colts are bringing in so-and-so for a meeting and, you know, then you hear about it and then, you know, you find out maybe six hours later that, you know, the Colts signed so-and-so or we brought in him. He was a great guy. He's, we're not picking him up or something. They're pretty open about that. At least the Colts are. So we don't really know what's going to happen. Uh, it could be, you know, it could be a really silent year. Although with the Colts not re-signing any of their guys, it's almost, it's kind of hard to believe. Maybe they're just letting them test it. And they've got an offer on the table from the Colts. You guys want to come back? There's your offer. We're not going to pay you any more than that. Uh, it's really hard to tell. But uh, like I wrote uh, just this this past week uh, about Chris Ballard, he is a no BS uh, evaluator of men. And he is all business. And what he says is going to go. He just doesn't look like he's a, a pushover. He doesn't look like a guy you can uh, BS very easily. So in, in Ballard, we trust, I guess, guys, at least for right now, we got to uh, see this process through, not get all fired up about the Colts not signing anybody. Just remember that, you know, nobody wins any games in March and uh, we'll, we'll just see what happens. It could lead us down uh, an exciting road over the next few days and it could be a very boring road over the next few days and it could just take its time throughout the process. We'll just have to wait and see and be patient and uh, not get our hopes up and not get uh, too down in the dumps uh, either way, depending on what happens. So uh, thank you guys for joining me. And I'll make sure to at least, uh, you know, try to maybe do a show over the weekend, depending on how much action we see. If not, 
Definitely be back Monday with everything that's happened over the weekend. And uh, I appreciate you guys listening. I appreciate your comments. Thank you guys uh, for uh, the conversations and such on Twitter. I mean, I enjoy uh, getting back and forth with you guys. I think that's a lot of fun. So uh, thank you guys for that. Go to iTunes. Give me a rating and a review if you would. And uh, I'll talk to you all on Monday right here on Locked on Colts. You are Locked on Colts, your daily podcast on the Indianapolis Colts, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team, every game.